Well, somebody say praise the Lord this morning. I enjoyed that very much. Thank you, Quartet, and thank you to everyone who has been a blessing to this service and has contributed. I thank you for it, and you have set the stage beautifully for our message this morning. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Ezekiel chapter 37. Ezekiel chapter 37, over in the back of the Old Testament, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations, Ezekiel, Daniel, Ezekiel chapter 37. While you're turning in your Bibles, if you have not purchased your tickets, these things are like hotcakes. These things are going quick. Friday night, this Friday night in the Oral Weech Auditorium, our Christian Counseling Center uh, steak and chicken dinner, along with the auction, will be this Friday night at 7 o'clock. We have just, I think, maybe a dozen tickets left. Martha may have a couple of tickets. There's three tickets here. Camille's out. Shirley has about four tickets. I think Sylvia's out. So if you don't have your tickets and you plan on being there Friday night, I ask you to please get your tickets this morning. We are going to have a great time, a fellowship, and of course raise money for the Christian Counseling Center. It's an annual event that we always do and is always a blessing. We're going to have some, uh, some of our regular things that we auction. Uh, Rita's trifle. She's back there in the back saying no, but she's going to do it. Uh, crawfish. We got stuff for the kids to, to, to bid on, so bring your kids out. Give them a couple of dollars. Let them bid on stereos and stuff. Uh, bring your dollar bills. You remember last year we did the uh, Chinese auction, the kids running around. We put the dollar bills in the bucket, so bring a bunch of dollar bills. If you want to, bring a bunch of $5 bills or a bunch of $100 bills, whatever it takes. What's that? Not bidding the kids? I, I got about three. No. <laughs> No, we're not going to bid the kids. We're going to let them have fun and, and bid on a couple of items also. So I invite you to join us this Friday night, but please get your tickets uh, for the uh, function Friday night. If you have your Bibles, uh, Ezekiel chapter 37. The hand of the Lord was upon me, and I am very aware, for those who are concerned, it is five minutes after 12. I am going to be as brief as possible, so please allow me just a few moments to express what the Lord has laid upon my heart. The hand of the Lord was upon me, and carried me out in the spirit of the Lord, and set me down in the midst of a valley, which was full of bones, and caused me to pass by them round about. And behold, there were very many in the open valley, and lo, they were very dry. And it said unto me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, O Lord, thou knowest. And again he said unto me, Prophesy unto these bones. And say unto them, O ye dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord God unto these bones, Behold, I will cause breath to enter into you, and ye shall live. And I will lay sinews upon you, and will bring up flesh upon you, and cover you with skin, and put breath in you, and ye shall live, and ye shall know that I am the Lord. So as I prophesied, as I was commanded, and as I prophesied, there was a noise, and behold, a shaking, and the bones came together, bone to his bone. And when I beheld, lo, the sinews and the flesh came upon them, and the skin covered them about, above, but there was no breath in them. Then said he unto me, Prophesy unto the wind, prophesy, son of man, and say to the wind, Thus saith the Lord God, Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe upon these slain, that they may live. So I, I prophesied as he commanded me, the breath came into them, and they lived, and stood up upon their feet, an exceeding great army. 
Then he said unto me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Behold, they say, our bones are dry. Our hope is lost. We are cut off from our parts. Therefore prophesy and say unto them, Thus saith the Lord God, Behold, O my people, I will open up your graves and cause you to come up out of your graves and bring you into the land of Israel. And ye shall know that I am the Lord when I have opened your graves, O my people, and brought you up out of your graves, and shall put, you, and shall put my spirit in you, and ye shall live, and I shall place you in your own land. Then ye shall know that I am the Lord, have spoken it, and performed it, saith the Lord. Ezekiel was a prophet, a true prophet of God. We, we call him a prophet because Ezekiel saw things. Sometimes he saw things that may be future things, things that had not come to pass, but things that in the future would come to pass. Oftentimes we call him a prophet because he saw things as they were. We might could say he would tell it like it is. So Ezekiel was his true prophet. Sometimes on the surface things look good, but they're not always exactly what they appear to be. Jesus was one that saw things as they were. Jesus uh, saw the Pharisees, and uh, they were the religious leaders of the day, and, and Jesus saw the Pharisees for what they were. They read the scriptures, they prayed, they attended church. On the outside, they were whitewashed. They looked good on the outside, but yet on the inside, the Pharisees were full of dry bones. In this illustration this morning, in this scripture that we read, these people of Israel were not what they appeared to be. But God showed them this, not through physical vision, with our eyes, but he showed Ezekiel this through prophetic vision. In other words, God showed this to Ezekiel. And so Ezekiel was a true prophet of God. Ezekiel saw things as they were. I had a good friend, Dr. Billy Richardson. He was a professor at uh, Southeastern Bible College in Lakeland, Florida, and he was quoted as saying one time, the modern-day prophet would may, maybe would say, Lo, I see in your future a brand-new home, a nice Cadillac in the driveway. Someone that was, these, uh, these modern-day prophets, very popular, very sought after. I see all of these nice things. But if you go back to biblical days and look at biblical prophets within the Bible, a biblical prophet might say, Whoa, I see the hand of judgment on yonder wall, pronouncing doom against the sinner. The biblical day prophet was not very popular. The, the modern day prophet was one who was rewarded or eulogized. But the biblical day prophet was one who was ostracized and burned alive. But Ezekiel began, it was a true prophet, even though he began as a priest in his earlier days. A priest is one who who speaks to God for men. But then God called him to be a prophet, one who speaks to man for God. I believe today in the modern world that the modern-day pastor is both a prophet and a priest. As a prophet, he admonishes, he warns, he encourages, he exhorts. As a priest, he intercedes, he lifts up on wings as eagles the prayers of his saints into the presence of God. Ezekiel was a true prophet of God. But this message or this story that we read today is primarily to the, to the nation of Israel. The nation of Israel had seen an illustrious past. 
They could tell you story after story of God's divine deliverance. They could tell you story after story of God's divine provision. God delivered them from Egyptian bondage. He gave provision from water of a rock. He gave provision from from the bread of heaven. The the, the nation of Israel had had seen victory at Jericho. The nation of Israel had seen the, the, the healing of Hezekiah. But now we read in the scripture that Israel is dead. There's no hope. As Israel looks across their nation, all they see is no hope. Jerusalem was destroyed. The the walls of the the city had been devastated. Their, Their youth had been enslaved. The spirit was gone through Israel. The nation was dead. They had given up all hope. And oftentimes we look at the impossible and dare to declare that things change when God steps in. I believe today that God still steps in. I believe there's a God today that still cares about his flock. I believe there's a God today that still, that still heals broken bodies, that still heals broken homes, that still lifts up his saints in the time of presence. There is still a God in heaven, and there's still a God that cares and is interceding on our behalf each and every day. So out of a real experience, we bring a vision, a vision that was given to a prophet in a time when the people of Israel had defined themselves to failure. They said in verse number 11, our bodies, our our bones are dry. We have no hope. We have nowhere to look. We're alive, but yet we're dead. We're standing here. We look good. We look proud, but yet on the inside, we're dead. We are full of dry bones. Israel had turned their back on God. They had fallen into idolatry, and they thought that God had some reason to turn his back upon them, and he did. But that's not the God that we serve today. We serve a loving, gracious God that even though we turn our back upon him, he's still there with open arms ready to welcome us and intercede on our behalf. As I think about this passage that I have just read and the background that surrounds it, I have to consider the modern world that we are living in today. All we hear about is no hope. When you get your paper in the morning, you read the headlines. There won't be much hope on the newspaper this morning and tomorrow morning. If you turn on the channels to to Fox News this afternoon, all you're going to hear about is no hope. Wars, rumors of wars, no hope, killings, all this that goes on within our world today. All we hear across the airwaves is no hope, no glimmer of hope. Every corner we turn, all we hear is dry bones. But this morning I have to ask the question, I want you to ask yourself this question this morning. Can these bones live? Is there any hope out there? Is there any real future out there? Is there any hope for these bones that are laying strong out all across the valley? I invite you to journey with me this morning. Not to a mansion. Not to a palace. It's not going to be a pretty picture. It's not going to be streets of gold. I invite you to journey with me this morning to a boneyard. Doesn't sound too intriguing, does it? Well, don't be so quick to judge. Have you ever seen what God could do with bones? You think there's something God, there's a God out there that they can do something with dead, dry bones? Will you bow your heads? Father, I'm just a, a vessel this morning. Use me, Lord, this message that you have placed upon my heart. 
And Father, just instill it within the years, Lord. Speak to those that have been brought forth. I know this message may not be for everyone, but many here this morning, Lord, can relate to this. And they can grab a hold of this, Lord, that there is hope through Jesus Christ. There is hope through our risen Savior this morning. I just ask your blessings upon it right now for just the next few moments. Speak through our hearts. In your name we pray. Amen. You can take this message in two ways this morning. You can uh, relate it to your own individual life if you like, or if you like as a body of Christ. So think of it on both levels this morning. But as an individual, three points this morning I want to make. As an individual or as a body of Christ, we need to get a vision of these bones this morning. God told, showed Ezekiel, said, Ezekiel, come, come. I want to take you down to this valley, and I want you to, to get a picture of all of these dry bones. If you want bones to equal no hope, just get a, get a vision of it, Ezekiel. If you want these bones to, to equal the crime rate that we see rampant throughout our nation today, if you want it, let me see what I can do with this crime rate that is going throughout our nation. Drugs are on our street rampant these days. Young people are just engulfed in these drugs that are just taking over the nation. They're taking over the world as a whole. If you want drugs to equal no hope, watch what I can do with drugs. If you want alcohol to equal no hope, watch what I can do with it. If you want this sickness, as I said this morning, the list continues to grow and grow and grow. If you want this sickness to equal no hope, watch what I can do with sickness. If maybe you're in your business this morning and you think there's no glimmer of hope in your business this morning, watch what I can do with your business. Maybe it's your family, maybe it's your kids, whatever it may be, these bones represent that thing within your life that says, no hope, it cannot make it. But watch what I, your God, can do with dry bones. So Ezekiel begins to move around the valley and sees bones that are scattered like a battlefield. These bones were not bones that, that the bodies were taken and they were very politely stacked on top of each other, that they were laid out in, in accord. These bones were just scattered all across the valley. Thousands of bodies of these bones were scattered throughout. Nobody cared. It was just a representation that nobody cared about these lives. Nobody cared about these bones that were just, just strewn throughout the valley. I want you to get a picture this morning of, of bones. I don't know if we have a doctor here this morning. Maybe... I know you could do a better job of this, but to get a concept of the message that is before us, I want you to think about bones this morning. I know I'm not one who really cares to think about bones. Uh, we, when I was a kid, we used to ride our motorbikes down in, into a swampy area, and one day we came upon some old graves, and, I, and we didn't even know they were there. We found the bones, but as soon as we found the bones, we found our way out of there. I didn't want nothing to do with bones. So I'm not one who's been intrigued by bones or, or been one to want to investigate bones. But I understand that bones contain the very stem cell that produces blood within our body, found in bone marrow. So if the bones are dry, there's no bone marrow. If there's no bone marrow, there's no blood. If there's no blood, there's no life. So not only is there hopelessness right now, but as you look at these bones, there's nothing in them. They're, they're dry. There's no future for now. There's no hope for now, and there's no hope for the future. There's no glimmer of hope as we look at these bones that are strong throughout this valley. No hope. 
And that's what times we get in our own lives. We have a situation that just engulfs our own lives, that just, just grabs us and grabs our life. And we begin to look at this subject and we begin to say, I give up. I have no, no hope. I have no way to solve this problem. I've done all I could do. But finally, we get to the point that we throw our hands up and say, no hope, no life, no power. That, my friend, is when God steps in. That's when the power of God says, watch what I can do with these dry bones. That is when God is most powerful. But God wants Ezekiel, says, Ezekiel, come. Get a good vision. Look over the whole valley. Look at it all across this valley. And now he says, Ezekiel, you got a picture of it? Yeah, yeah, I see. I see what you're talking about. I see all of the bones. And then God says, Ezekiel, can these bones live? You think there's any hope out there, Ezekiel? Can these bones live? Now, if he would have asked Ezekiel that in his younger days, or if he would have asked Ezekiel that in the days before he was schooled in the visions of God, Ezekiel, Ezekiel might have said with an affirmative, no, there's no hope for these bones. They're dry. They're dead. They're even bleaching here in the, in the sunlight. There's no hope for these bones. But Ezekiel has seen the hand of God. Ezekiel has seen what God could do. But the thing is, God is omniscient. He's all-knowing. God knew the answer. He wasn't asking Ezekiel, can these bones live for information? God knew the answer to the question. He was just trying to talk with Ezekiel. And he wanted to know, Ezekiel, are you on the same wavelength as I am? Or you have the same faith that I have. Do, do, do you think these bones can live, Ezekiel? And if Ezekiel would have said no, God would have gone on to another prophet. He would have gone on to somebody who had the same faith and the same hope that God Almighty have. Can these bones live? Now, now Ezekiel was a smart man. He walked, he walked the straight rope. He didn't say, no, Lord, they can't live. But he didn't say, yes, Lord, they can. What did he say? I don't know. Lord, only you know. And Ezekiel wasn't getting himself in a trap. He said, I don't know, Lord, but you know, only you know, Lord, if these bones can live. I tell you, I would have, I would have liked to have been Ezekiel, Brother Kenny. Well, that would have been exciting, wouldn't it? If you had seen God and what God had done before, what God was capable of doing, and you know that God asked me a question, said, Brad, can these bones live? I would sit back and say, Lord, I don't know, but I'm going to sit back and watch what's going to happen because something good is fixing to happen in this valley of dry bones. I don't know what it is, but something exciting is fixing to happen. So Ezekiel was asked the question, can these bones live? And he responded, I don't know, Lord. Now, there's an individual or a profession called forensic anthropology. Forensic anthropologists are people who study bones. I don't know why, but they enjoy picking up bones and studying bones. Forensic anthropologists, though, you can tell a lot of, about a person from their bones. You can take, tell their ethnic group. They say by the nasal passage bone. You can tell the ethnic group of an individual. You can take their leg bone and you can get an approximate height of an individual. You, you, you can take uh, the brain, the skull of the, the, the head, the, the skull bone, and you can tell the age of the individual. Within a few years, you can give an approximate uh, uh, time span of the age of the individual. You can take the hip bones, and you can tell if it's male or female. Now, you figure out which one is male and which one's female, okay? But you can take the hip, hip bone, and you can tell if it's a male or a female. So, so you can do all of the extreme makeovers. You can do all of the facelifts you want to do. But when it end comes, they can take your bones and tell exactly who you are. 
Bones tell the story. Now, there's an individual out there by the name of Dr. Clyde Snow. He is one of the most famous forensic anthropologists in the world today. Uh, Dr. Clyde Snow likes to call his work osteobiography, saying that he believes that there is a brief but very useful biography contained within the bones of an individual. Dr. Clyde Snow has worked on such people as John F. Kennedy. He has looked at the bones of King Tut. Uh, uh, Dr. Clyde Snow went to the Oklahoma City bombing uh, several years ago and examined the bones of these individuals in this bombing. Dr. Clyde Snow in the 1980s went to Argentina and, and, and just looked at the mass graves of, of bodies that, that were killed from the, the government during the war. This man loves to go and look at bones and examine bones and get something out of them. Dr. Clyde Snow still, um, when he's not traveling, lives in Texas. And he says he does that to get away from the sadness that he sees each and every day. Dr. Clyde Snow's motto to his co-workers is, do your work in the daytime and cry at night. Because why? Bones tell the story of individuals. And I just have to let my imagination wander this morning. And as Ezekiel looked across that vast valley and began to look at all of those bones, do you think Ezekiel heard sad stories? Do you think as he looked there, and all he could hear was crying and weeping and stories of sadness each and every day? Bones are not just bones. Bones are life. Bones tell the story of individuals. Bones tell whether there's hope or no hope. Bones are strong all throughout the valley. But if we look at the bones of the world today, would they be filled with sad stories? As we listen to our friends and relatives, if we look to, look to nations today, is our nations full of sad stories? Are individuals' lives full of sad stories? The doomsayers, all they can do is the demographers, they can go and they can just place no hope in the future. They say, look at this group of people here. They come from, a, from an area of poverty. They, they have no hope. Look at these individuals over here. They, they have the good education. These are the ones that have the hope. I think they've gone too far in today's world. There's hope for all who have faith and hope in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. There's hope filled every day as we lift into the praises of God in this sanctuary this morning. As the presence of God, two or three are gathered in my name. There I am with you also. And if God is in the house this morning, hope is in the house. There's future in the house today. If we look to Jesus Christ, whatever our problem can, may be. And these bones live. Is there hope out there this morning? It's not a matter I'm not one that proposes that, that you just go and you, you sit down in the chair and say, Lord, you know what my problem is now. Bless me. Just, just give it to me, Lord. No, I believe we ought to work. We ought to go through trials and tribulations. We ought to go and, and do the things, and that we ought to be rewarded for our work. But the, you think it's possible that even though you put forth your best effort, but still you don't see a glimmer of light at the end of your tunnel. You say, Lord, I've done all I know to do. I've put all of my effort and energy. I've done all that I think that, that you have instructed me to do. I've prayed and, and, and I've done all of the right things. I, and I pay my tithes. I've done everything that I'm supposed to do this morning, Lord. But still I see no hope at the end of the tumult, folks. I remind you, that's when God steps in. And makes a difference. That's when God comes in and, and, and it just makes a great effort to go forth in our problem today. 
Get a vision of it this morning as you scan here through this auditorium. Get an insight of these bones. Get a vision of the world today. You got a vision? Because without a vision, the people will perish. Let's get a vision of what God has for us today. As an individual, as a body of Christ, the second thing we must do is prophesy to the bones or preach to the bones. Preach to the bones. I've been there and done that. The verdict is still out if this is one of those mornings or not. But I've been there and preached to the bones. I've been there those mornings and I thought I'd preached a good sermon. I slung slobber from one end of the church to the other and I thought it was a good message, but there seemed like there was no hope without there. I'd done all I know to do, but, but we wonder, is there hope out there this morning? Matthew 6, verse number 15 says, Go into all the world, preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. Folks, entertainment won't do it. Culture will, will not do it. Education will not do it. Only the, the, the infallible, authoritative word of God, as it goes forth with a shining light, will go out and preach the gospel and will cut as a two-edged sword if we go and share the gospel of Jesus Christ. I've told you before, I've mentioned about the young man from Canada. And, and, and he, he just came, as I was studying this, he, he kept coming back to my mind, and his name was Danny. And Danny was a young man that his, uh, his father died of, of Lou Gehrig's disease, ALS. And uh, as when his daddy died, he went into a great depression, and he turned to drugs uh, to, to, to counteract his depression in his life. And Danny, after he began to get into drugs and, and get so engulfed in drugs, he became a drug dealer to, to counteract, to pay for his own drug habit. And Danny, as, as I've told you before, one day was called out to go and kill another man. I spoke to, to Danny sometime uh, the last time they were here, and I sat down. I, w I just wanted to get more of this story because I, I just couldn't believe all of this story I was, I was uh, listening to. And I said to Danny, I said, you know, why were you asked to go and kill this man? He said, well, this particular man uh, squealed on, on the, some drugs. It was about $20,000 worth of drugs. And these, uh, the police followed these two men to the hotel. The police were tipped off. And followed these two men to the hotel. And we found out who the man was that tipped him off. And they were going to pay me about the value of the drugs. They were going to pay me $20,000 to go kill this man that tipped off about these drugs. And I sat there and I looked at Danny. And I said, Danny, I, I'm looking at you this morning. You're a nice, clean-cut looking man. You're, you're about as good as looking as I am, Danny. But I, but I cannot believe that here you are a, a drug dealer. A man that is on drugs. You, you, you don't get out of drugs. You, you don't get out of, out, out of dealing drugs. You got all of the money. You, you, you have that lifestyle. You went even so far deep down within it that you were going to go kill a man over drugs. I asked him, I said, Danny, would you have done it? He said, yeah, I would have done it. That's how deep I was in drugs and, and, and to the drug dealing trade. That's how much I was involved in it, that I was willing to go and kill a man. I said, well, Danny, what happened? He said, Brad, let me tell you the rest of the story. I never heard the rest of the story. We were sitting at Eric Fox's house on a Friday night. I said, tell me the rest of the story, Danny. He said, well, Brad, I, I went in. I was, I was going to kill the man. I stopped by my mother. He said, I wanted to see mom before I left. I went to my mother's house. I knocked on the door, and mom spoke to me, but she would not let me in the house. She was scared of me. She wouldn't let me in. She said, but I'll go down to the local coffee shop, and we can talk. And we can just, just share with him. So, uh, so he went down to the coffee shop. And he told his mother, says, Mother says, I'm fixing to go out and do something very heinous. 
He would not tell his mother what he was going to do. He said, but I'm going to go out and do something very heinous. And he said, I may not return. This may be the last time that you ever see me. I said, Danny, I'm looking at you. This, this, this can't take place. What happened? He said, Brad, all of a the sudden, there was a young man that came through the, through the door. He had been to church just two, on a Friday night, just two, three blocks down the road. And as a young man came in the door, I looked up and he looked at me. And the young man was my cellmate in prison many years ago. And they, he, his name was, um, I can't remember his name, but the, the, the young man, he, he said he was in prison, my cellmate in prison several years ago when we were in prison. We talked together. We, we, we related together. And when he got out of prison, he went to Teen Challenge, got saved, got full of Jesus. And he had just come from the church service, and he came down the road, and he was sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ with Danny. Danny was on his way to kill a man, and the gospel of Jesus Christ stopped him right in his tracks. The power of God, the word of God stopped him right there. Is there hope for these bones? Yes. If we preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. And in that coffee shop, Danny and, and this young man got on the knees before Almighty God, and they were prayed, and Danny received Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. I even wanted to go one step further with him. I said, Danny, what happened to the dude you were supposed to go kill? He said, well, I don't know what happened to him, but he said, the man who hired me was going to pay me $20,000. I said, well, what happened to him? He said, well, he came to my mother's house. He was looking for me. He wanted to know where I was. My mama kept lying for me, wouldn't tell him where I was. He said, but the Lord spoke to me one day and says, I want you to just write the man a note. He wrote the man, told the man how the man, is how he got saved, how he got full of Jesus, how he was living for the Lord now. And the man wrote him back and says, I wish you well. Why? Because the gospel of Jesus Christ was there. We look at these bones this morning. Is there hope for these bones? Can these bones live? Yes, they can live. If we, the body of Christ, will get out and open the word of God and just share the infallible, authoritative word of God. My problem's too big. No, it's not with God. Your problem's not too big. You've got to have faith, my friend, to preach to dry bones. Why? Because dry bones don't respond. They just lay there on the ground and they don't say one stinking thing. Bones are dead. They have no life. I have to admit, I, have to, I grew up I, preaching when people responded to me. I kind of enjoy that, saying amen, you know, shaking your seat or something. You know, do something. But bones don't do that. Bones have no life. Bones, my wife joked it with me. We were talking, somebody, I was talking to somebody yesterday, and he said, Brad, you getting ready for his message? I said, yeah. They said, what do you do? I said, well, sometimes I go in the bathroom, and I preach my message before me. And um, I, I preach to myself. Well, I don't get any response there in the bathroom. And um, so uh, I have to, uh, have to give my own response. I have to amen myself. I have to praise the Lord in my own right. Because bones don't have any life. We used to think of bones many years ago in the early, uh, all up to the 1691. We thought bones were just a skeleton, were just a frame that held the body up. We thought they were just like sticks put together, and they held the body up. But in 1691, a man by the name of Clopton Havers, he began to look into bones, and he, he dissected these bones. And the, Clopton Havers discovered that there's life in bones. And they said that there's these tunnels. Matter of fact, they named the tunnels after Clopton Havers. They're called aversion canals. And these, these aversion canals are surround the blood vessels and surround nerve cells 
that they come throughout the bone and, and these nerve cells communicate with osteocytes within our body. Osteoblasts build them up. Osteoclasts tear down the bones. Bones have life. They're not just pieces of stick. Bones have blood flowing through them. Bones have nerves going through them. Bones communicate with the other one, each one. Bones say build up here. Bones say tear it down here. Bones have life. If you break a bone, it's not the doctor, and I'm a professional at breaking bones. This arm right here, I broke four times within about a span of five years. I can do things with this arm that just will amaze you. I can turn it inside out, upside down, whatever you want. I know of breaking bones. But it's not the doctor that heals the bones. The physician, all he does is set the bone in place. And what happened? The blood begins to flow. The nerves begin to flow. The, 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 the cells begin to flow within the bone as the bone begins to mend. And it takes time to mend. Bones are, have life. And they don't respond when they're dry. They scream out, no hope. But God told Ezekiel in this scripture we said today, he said, Ezekiel, go speak to the dry bones. I have to admit, as in younger days of preaching, sometimes I would get overwhelmed with myself. I remember one time I was preaching a revival in Fort Pierce, Florida. And that morning we prayed for people after the message, and we prayed for the sick. And I just prayed as the Lord laid me to. And uh, that evening a lady came down to me and says, Brother, you prayed for me. She says, I don't even know if you remember me. And I'll be honest with you, I didn't. She was an elderly lady. She said, but as you prayed for, for me, said the Lord touched me. I forgot what the problem was. She said, but I've been, I've been uh, gloating in Jesus all day because the power of God healed my body. And I thought to myself as a young person, I thought, boy, I'm on to something here. So that night I preached even harder and I, and I gave it even more, more of what I, what I thought was in me, but it wasn't in me. It was the power of God. But Ezekiel walked out, and many times we want to walk out in the congregation and say, Bones, arise! But if it's not in the power of God, the bones lay flat. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Look to the great physician this morning. But if you say it in the power of God, things began to happen. And Ezekiel, in the power of God, went across that valley. And all of a sudden, Ezekiel yelled out, Bones, arise! I know Ezekiel said, look out, something's fixing to happen. And all of a sudden, a click, 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 click. A click, 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 click. You getting that sig? You got that? Okay. A click, 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 click here. What is happening is all of these bones that are strong throughout the valley are beginning to mend themselves together. The thigh bone here, a leg bone here, the bones that are strong, they've probably been kicked around, didn't know which bone, which, which body, but these bones began to come back together. One another after another the sinews the tenues the tendons began to 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 go around the bones and the skin begins to come across the flesh of these bones and here we have this these bodies that are coming together and the same god that put the bones together in the first place began to put them back together again so now all of a sudden we got not a valley full of bones but we got a valley full of dead bodies just standing straight up bunch of statues. There's bones, they're straight up, the tendons are there, the bloods began to flow that back through the body. You know, Captain Havers said there's life in those bones. The bones began to flow, the mending was beginning to take place, the skin had come across the, the bodies of these individuals, but the bodies were just standing there as erect statues. But then what does God tell Ezekiel to do? He tells him, breathe new life in these bones. 
As an individual of the body of Christ, God calls us, calls us to breathe new life. Allow the Holy Spirit, allow your life to be used of the Holy Spirit. Allow the Holy Spirit to flow through you and speak to those dead bones that are out there. What does he say? Breathe new life. You see this word for wind, breath, and spirit in Hebrew. It's all the same word. Ra, R-A-U-C-H. It wasn't just breath. If you believe as breath, you go breathe into a dead body and see what happens. Nothing. But if you go and breathe with the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, and you breathe life into these dead bones, God is able. Now, a great army has been engulfed. As God has breathed into these bones the new life, Jesus said, to go ye into all the world, preach the gospel. Breathe new life into these bones. Now we have a great army for the kingdom of God. Did you get the vision this morning of the bones? Are you willing this morning to go and preach the gospel this morning? Are you willing to allow your life to be used of the Holy Spirit this morning so that you can speak to individuals? You may be sitting here this morning. You may be saying, I'm alive, but I have no hope. God can make all things possible. Luke chapter 18, verse number 27. The things which are impossible with men are possible with God. You may know someone this morning out on the streets and drugs, and you may say there's no hope for it. There's hope this morning. If we'll pray and seek the face of God, turn from our wicked ways, then God will heal this nation once again. As I close this morning, as the musicians come and those involved in the closing of the service, I was sitting in my bed last night at about 11 o'clock, flipping through this sermon, and, and I have to admit, through a ball, a football game. But um, as I was flipping through, a, a thought came to my head. I told my wife, I said, where's a video? But my granddaddy's funeral... About three years ago, we, 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 uh, my dad had done an interview with him, and um, he had began just telling stories. He did about five cassette tapes of telling stories with my, with my granddad, and um, we used one of the illustrations at the close of his funeral, and as he began to share this, this story, an illustration came to my mind, and I thought, what a beautiful illustration to, to see that God, that all things are possible. My granddaddy was pastoring a church, I think I've told you before, in Dothan, Alabama. My mother was about two years of age, or three years of age. Her sister, I think, was two. They had ten people on the first Sunday they were there, and four of them was their own family. But this particular morning, my, my granddad's car broke down, and uh, he went and bought a new car. Now, this was during World War II or something like that. I think he said he paid $300 for the car. But he had to make $25 a month payments. Uh, you, you think, Dad, you could work out those kind of payments on some of your cars nowadays? $300 car, $25 a month that he had to pay for this car. Well, it was a Saturday afternoon. He was supposed to make a payment on that particular day, but because that was a Saturday, he had the Monday morning to make the payment. And so he went to church that morning. As they were on their way to church, he said just a great big black cloud came and just covered the, the whole city, and the rains just fell out. And he had given my mother... And her sister, a nickel apiece, to put in the offering. And all he, he was, didn't know what he was going to do. He talked to, 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 to his wife. He called her mama. He said, Mama, what are we going to do? All I have it, it, to my name is $12 and some change, and I've got to make a $25 payment 
on my car in the morning. And all the years, in the years that we had been there, he might have been there for two or three years. And the whole time I'd been to this church, we had never received that much offering on a Sunday morning. The Sunday morning offering was for the pastor. Whatever they took up on Sunday morning was his. Whatever they took up on Sunday night went toward the bills of the church. That's the way they did it in those days. But that, this morning, he gave my mother five cents. He gave her, her sister five cents to drop into the offering plate. But as they went to church, the great cloud came and the rains came down and just soaked the whole town. And there was five people that came to church. Him, his wife, my mother, her sister, and an army soldier who was home from the war at the, the, the local army base there in Dothan, Alabama. They gathered around the piano. They didn't have anybody to play it, but they gathered around the piano and they sang. They took church, had church just as they always did. They took up the offering that evening, that morning. And as he gathered the offering, guess what it was in the offering plate? Two nickels. That was all he had. Twelve dollars. Twenty-five dollars he had to have that morning. He went home. He invited an army soldier. He said, go home with me. They went home. He said, let's have dinner. And as he had dinner, he went out into the barn shed in the backyard. And he began to pray. He said, Lord, I don't know how I'm going to get this money. There's no hope. There's no future of getting this money. The nice offering goes to the church. The tonight's offering is for the church. I don't know how it's going to happen, but Lord, I know that you are able. That afternoon, the skies opened up. It was a beautiful evening. And that evening, as they went to church, they said in that evening service, they had twice as many people as they ever seen in a church in Dothan, Alabama. And that time, they took the offering as they always did. He didn't beg. He didn't plead. He just took the offering as he always did. And as they took the offering, the deacons came to him that evening and said, Pastor Davis says, we know you get the morning offering, but nobody was there. You take the evening offering. No hope. No hope. But you take the evening offering. Remember, they had never received that much, even if they had it. They had never received that much in all the years that he had been there. That evening, as he took the offering, he had enough to take with his $12. And add it to it. And then he had his $25. And what he had left over was enough to buy two weeks of groceries. God is able. God is able. There's no hope. These bones are dead. These bones can't live. Yes, they can live. If we look to Jesus, my business has no hope. Yes, it has hope if you look to Jesus. My kids have no hope. Yes, they have hope. But you got to look to Jesus. This nation has no hope. It's turned us back upon God. Yes, but God is still the great physician. God can still heal. God can still touch. There is hope this morning. These bones can live day after day after day if we trust in Him. Before God, impossible. After God, all things are possible. If these bones live, are you willing to do your part this morning? Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. And he walks with me, and he talks with me, and he tells me I am his own. And the joy we share as we tarry.
like verse number two. Oh, he speaks, and the sound of his voice is so sweet. The birds hush their and the melody that he gives to me. situation this morning that it has no hope you may think your problem's too small that God doesn't care God you remember cares the number of hairs on your head he cares about the sparrow that falls to the ground God cares about your problem this morning maybe you'll say this morning my problem is too big how in the world could you come to that conclusion after you've seen what God did with a valley full of dead dry decaying bones you're here this morning and you want to cry out to God. You want to lift your hands and say, I have a problem this morning and I need the help of God. I just ask you very quickly to raise your hand. We want to just pray in unison. Yes, hands all across this building. Hands all across this building are lifted up this morning. I want to do something. I know it's late, but if you would, those that have raised your hand, just very quickly, come down to the front. I want you to just come quickly. Some pastors, come quickly. Pastor Fowler. Brother Roland, some of the pastors come quickly and just ride up in front of these individuals this morning. If you have to go, you're dismissed. But if you would like, just stay around and pray this morning. I want the pastors to come and line up in the front. Agree with these this morning, Lord. If you're a praying lady, come down this morning. Pray with these ladies this morning. But believe with them this morning that all things are possible. Yeah, Sister Smith, let's pray for her this morning. Pastor Gadet is here this morning. Pray with him this morning that all things are possible when we put our hope and faith in you. I want you to just pass one of the microphones down to Brother Fowler. And I just want him to lead this group of people this morning into prayer and interceding on their behalf. God is able to meet all of these needs. And I believe this morning that there will be great testimonies that will come out of this service this morning as we put our hope and faith in you, Pastor. <laughs> 